Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Or Leanscape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Birds and Beans Shade Grown Bird Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And by Chimani. Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 634. We'll start off this morning's show with something about... One less egg to fry. Eggs and sausage. Yes, eggs. Although in a different context than a couple of those songs would suggest. Talking instead about the shape of birds' eggs and some new research that has uncovered some real surprises about why they're shaped the way they're shaped. It has long been thought that certain shapes may protect eggs from shattering, for example, or allow them to fit snugly into the nest or keep them from rolling off the edges of cliffs And all of those things may be true. Aristotle suggested that long, pointy eggs were female, while rounder eggs were male. He got that wrong, but what do we expect? He's the same guy who said that when certain bird species were no longer seen in autumn, it was because they had changed into other species. Anyway, apparently no comprehensive studies had ever been conducted to test all these ideas, which got Princeton University ecologist Mary Stoddard and her colleagues to wondering if maybe there was more to this shape thing than meets the eye. And they have recently completed a study that suggests that the shape of birds' eggs can predict, among other things, how well a bird can fly. Yes, the study says that egg shapes may have evolved as birds evolved for better flight. The results showed that the birds that hatched from the most asymmetric or elliptical eggs were the most efficient and therefore the best flyers. Sounds a little bit crazy maybe, but not as crazy as what Aristotle said. There's more to the study and we have a link to a National Geographic piece about it on our Talking Birds Facebook page. Extra, extra, read all about it. Hey, speaking of Facebook, here are some of the other stories and videos we have for you on our page this week. How smart are ravens, really? Well, at Lund University in Sweden, one proved to be smart enough to hack a researcher's experiment. The scientists had to remove the bird from the premises because they were afraid it would teach its fellow ravens its hacking technique. We'll link you to the entire story with pictures. Nature's wide-eyed riddle will connect you to some of David Tipling's crazy, amazing photographs of owls. And back to the subject of eggs. Get a look at the beauty and biology of egg color through our link to Cornell Lab's Living Bird magazine. And that's some of what we have for you on our Facebook page right now. You can also find those stories through an online search if you're not a Facebook follower. 
That is the sound of our mystery bird, and this is a preview of our mystery bird contest coming up a little bit later on in the show, so you'll be ready to call in when we do the actual contest. Some clues here. Our mystery bird is a medium-sized denizen of wooded swamps with a pointed bill and a pale yellow eye. Breeding males are shiny black, dull black with rust-brown bars in winter. Females have grayer plumage that's mostly rust-brown in the winter. Our bird breeds in the northern forests of Canada and Alaska and winters in most of the eastern half of the U.S. That's a preview of our mystery bird contest. The actual contest coming along a little bit later in the show. Here's our conservation news of the week. If you agree that the continuing growth in the electric car market is a good thing, here's some news you'll really like. Electric vehicle sales in California during the first quarter of 2017 were up 91% compared to the same quarter a year ago. Industry observers give much of the credit to the Chevy Bolt, the first all-electric car from General Motors that went on sale in the Golden State last December. Nearly 3,000 Californians bought the Bolt in the first quarter, and Kelly Blue Book says the Bolt, with its 240 miles of range, brings a new element to the electric car market. All is not necessarily well with the Bolt at the moment, though latest news indicates that Bolt sales have slowed down and inventories are piling up. However, things are a lot different for the elephant in the room. The Tesla Model 3, which began limited production earlier this month, the Tesla Model 3 has an estimated 500,000 reservations worldwide. Full disclosure, your humble Talking Birds host holds one of those reservations, having stood in line for a couple of hours in March of last year, joining the hordes willing to plunk down a deposit on a car none of us had ever seen at the time. Plug-in hybrid sales are strongly up, too, 54% over last year. That's the good news. The bad news is that the sales of conventional hybrids, the kind you don't plug in, like the Toyota Prius, were down almost 10%. Toyota invested a lot in its all-new Prius for the 2007 model year, but its kind of spaceship styling may be a little too extreme for some shoppers, it seems. The plug-in Prius Prime is selling well, however. So, exciting news about more and more electric automobiles spewing zero emissions into our atmosphere. And if we can keep up the pace in producing energy for these vehicles with clean, renewable resources... We'll really be getting somewhere. We'd like to congratulate the following Talking Birds newsletter subscribers who just by being subscribers to our newsletter that we call The Trumpeter have won some big bags of bird-friendly birds and beans shade-grown coffee in random drawings conducted by our Talking Birds staff. Congratulations to Richard Utt and Dave Weth and Christy Holmes and Chuck Davis and Adele Levine and Bruce Plackey, congratulations uh, to all of their winners. And Adele and Bruce, hope we came pretty close in pronouncing your names. We'll be sending all these newsletter subscribers bird-friendly, shade-grown birds and beans coffee. And Talking Birds listeners, please do subscribe to our free electronic newsletter that we send out every couple of weeks. It's a quick, fun read, and you can cancel any time, of course. Sign up by clicking the subscribe button right at the top of our website homepage. That's TalkingBirds.com. Still to come on our show today, we'll welcome Dylan Bartles, a biological science technician, who will tell us what a biological science technician does 
at the Lake Andes National Wildlife Refuge in South Dakota, where Dylan does his work. Plus, we'll catch up with our man Mike O'Connor, who does his work, if any, down at the Bird Watchers General Store on Cape Cod in our Let's Ask Mike segment. Mike will enlighten us today about those birds you see sometimes with white patches on them. Also this morning, our famous mystery bird contest with a droll Yankees feeder going to the winner. Stand by for our contest a little bit later in the show. And up next, a bird that's really worth looking at from a distance is today's featured feathered friend. Presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Well, boys and girls, the scientific name of this week's Talkin' Birds featured feathered friend is Corygipsa trotus, and he sounds like this. Boys and girls, boys and girls, uh, come back, boys and girls. Yes, the boys and girls have left the building without even seeing Corygipsa trotus. But then again, a visual presentation may have elicited a similar response. That's because today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend is the scary-sounding and scary-looking black vulture. Black vultures are large raptors with nearly all black plumage, except for silvery patches on the underside of their wingtips. The bare skin on their head is also black. Here in the U.S., black vultures are outnumbered by their red-headed relatives, the turkey vultures. But thanks to their huge range, black vultures rank number one in vulture population all across the Western Hemisphere. Unlike turkey vultures, black vultures don't have an especially well-developed sense of smell. That's because their method of finding food is to soar high in the sky, looking down on the turkey vultures and moving in when their relatives home in on a carcass on which to feed. And despite black vultures' smaller size, they'll often drive turkey vultures away from food by showing up in greater numbers. One way to separate these two species in flight is by noticing that turkey vultures' wings are usually held in a dihedral or V-shaped configuration, a little bit like the common rock pigeon, while black vultures hold their wings flat and angled forward, as eagles do. Black vultures can't really be blamed for the less-than-melodic sound they make. Their grunts and raspy hisses result from the fact that they don't have a voice box. In recent years, black vultures have expanded their territory to the north and east. Experts say this expansion is probably due in part to the increasing availability of roadkill and to warmer temperatures associated with climate change. The scary-sounding and scary-looking black vulture, Corygips atratus, not making a lot of pals in the classroom, maybe, but serving well as today's Talking Birds' featured feathered friend. Welcome again. Thanks for being with us. Our show number 634. Please do visit our website, TalkinBirds.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at TalkinBirds. Dylan Bartles, with whom we became acquainted when he graciously agreed to sign on as a Talkin' Birds ambassador representing the great state of Iowa, joins us as a guest on the show today to talk about his work and the goings-on at the Lake Andes National Wildlife Refuge 
in Charles Mix County, South Dakota. He's on the phone with us right now. Good morning, Dylan. Hey, Ray. How you doing? Doing well. Great to have you on the air with us, Dylan. Yeah, you're having me. You're pretty new in the refuge system, having graduated last May, I believe, with a degree in biology from Dort College in Sioux Center, Iowa. I've been consulting yeah. a map, uh, Dylan. <laughs> looks like you didn't have to go all that far from Sioux Center to get to South Dakota there. No, it's not too far at all. So, yeah, Sioux Center is about 40 miles away from the border, and then it's just about two hours from there. So, yeah, all right, nice and close. Nice and but, close up there in the northwest corner of the Hawkeye State. So you're oh, a biological yeah. science technician, uh, a BST at the Lake Andes National Wildlife Refuge there. What is a BST, if I may call it that for a moment, and um, what does your work entail there at the refuge? Yeah, so um, there's me as one BST, and then we have another biological science technician who's hired two. Um, we're kind of temporary um, workers who do a lot of the survey needs and things like that that the um, wetland management districts and national wildlife refuges need. So starting on the spring, we do um, breeding duck counts that we call four square mile counts. So we go to um, pre-specified ponds around our district and just try to get a good idea of how many ducks will be breeding um, in our region that year. Uh, then we do in the summer months more, we do a lot of um, management so we'll do a lot of grazing of our wpas or waterfowl production areas um and these are areas that we manage for maximum use by both waterfowl and grassland birds so um, we'll use grazing and burning regimes to uh, attract them to um those areas uh, we also just this last week we had a group of um school kids come and we told them a little bit about the refuge and brought them around so that's another thing we do mm -hmm. um and then starting next week here we'll do a lot of vegetation surveys so we kind of um get a, a a gauge for how well we've been managing our different our different lands so. mm -hmm. well people might be surprised to know that there are more than 500 national wildlife refuges in the u.s i think at least one in every state uh, with a focus on conserving fish and wildlife and plants and most of them open to the public as you have kind of just suggesting or at least partially right. so for birding uh, fishing hunting other recreational activities uh mm -hmm. what about at lake andes special uh, recreational things there yeah um so we have the lake itself it's about a forty-eight thousand acre um natural prairie or sorry 4800 acre uh <laughs> natural prairie like forty-eight thousand would be pretty big but um no so yeah it's, i think it's one of the biggest natural prairie lakes we have um, in the prairie pothole region. Hmm. Um, and it's, yeah, it's great for birding, especially. Um, we have tons of bird species that not only move through my, for migration, but also nest there. We have nesting colonies of great blue herons, um, black crowned night herons and snowy egrets. And we have plenty of ducks on the refuge, um, a good population of warblers and things. We have a nice, uh, hiking trail right by our office there. And yeah, like you said about all the, the 500 different National Wildlife Refuges there are, um, all the people that I've known in the Fish and Wildlife Service so far have been just really great people, and they love to tell about what they do. So, yeah, take a chance and um, go to any one of your 
uh, National Wildlife Refuge is as close to where you live, I guess. So. Mm, indeed. Well, another uh, part of the Lake Andes complex there is the Carl E. Munt National Wildlife Refuge. This one is not usually open to the public in order to protect nesting bald eagles, right? Right. Yeah. So it's one of the only natural um, um, flowing uh, habitats of the Missouri River left um, right now. And right now we manage that along with the our WPAs and the Lake Andes National Wildlife Refuge. Yeah, it is a great nesting site for bald eagles, but we have tons of other birds that visit there too. Um, on the river down there, we have endangered piping plovers and least terns nesting. Um, and actually, every May, uh, our refuge hosts the South Dakota Birding Festival. And if you attend that, you get a chance to um, go out and bird on the Carl Munt Refuge. And it's it's just a beautiful piece of land. Um, yeah, and I really encourage anyone to come out and give it a try. All right. Dylan Bartles is a biological science technician at the Lake Andes Wildlife Refuge, South Dakota, and also happens to be a Talking Birds ambassador for his home state of Iowa. Dylan, thank you for your ambassadorship and uh, keep up the good work there at Lake Andes. And maybe we'll see you at the South Dakota Birding Festival next year. Yeah, sounds good to me. So thanks for having me on, Ray. Thank you, Dylan. Dylan Bartles, South Dakota the Lake Andes National Wildlife Refuge. By the way, if I may, just a little while we're talking about ambassadors, put a little plug here. We're looking for ambassadors in states all around the country. So far, we have 42 states. Um, wherever you are, we hope you'll consider becoming a Talking Birds ambassador and spread the word about our show and about birds and conservation. It's easy to do. Just go to our TalkingBirds.com website. Uh, click on the uh, uh, what is the button that you click on? Did I already forget uh, what that is? Just go to TalkingBirds.com and the contact button. That's it. And you'll see the <laughs> become an ambassador option. All right. Coming up here, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. Hi, it's Ray saying don't look now, but it's late July. That means in just about eight weeks, we'll be going on an unforgettable journey to the Galapagos Islands, a place unlike any other place on Earth and known for vast numbers of creatures found nowhere else on the planet, including the finches studied by Charles Darwin that sparked his theory of evolution by natural selection. We'll travel with Sunrise Birding, widely recognized as one of the finest small group touring companies in the world. I'll be your host, joined by expert local guides who will lead us to and teach us about blue-footed boobies, Galapagos tortoises, marine iguanas, and many other species, including the Galapagos penguins with which we'll snorkel. But don't wait until it's too late. Find out all about this amazing trip right now by visiting sunrisebirding.com. That's sunrisebirding.com. Hope to see you in September in the Galapagos Islands. Talking Birds is made possible in part by the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, a world leader in the study, appreciation, and conservation of birds. Please check them out at birds.cornell.edu. It's our mystery bird call-in contest. If you're not listening live to our show, remember you can do so online anytime. Talkingbirds.com explains how to do it. It's real easy. 781-837-4900 is the number here on our Mystery Bird Contest. That's 781-837-4900. Here's the sound of our Mystery Bird. Our Mystery Bird is a medium-sized resident of wooded swamps. 
with a pointed bill and a pale yellow eye. Breeding males are shiny black, dull black with rust brown bars in winter. Females have grayer plumage that's mostly rust brown in the winter. Our bird breeds in the northern forests of Canada and Alaska and winters in most of the eastern half of the U.S. couple of clues there. Our prize this morning is the Droll Yankees Bottoms Up Finch Feeder. Not very hospitable for house sparrows, which have difficulty hanging by their feet, but great for other birds that you'd love to see at your feeder, like goldfinches and chickadees and nuthatches. Our number is 781-837-4900. If you haven't won within six months here on Talking Birds, you are eligible on our Mystery Bird Contest. 781-837-4900 is the number to call. Don't wait. Please call us as soon as you can, so we'll have time for your call on our contest. 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, we'll check in with Mike O'Connor down at the Bird Watchers General Store. Let's ask Mike live in just one minute. Now a word from our friends at Bird Watching Magazine. For over a quarter century, Bird Watching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Want some tips on backyard birding? Bird Watching Magazine has published a handy booklet that's yours to download for free. The 16-page guide includes practical field-tested answers to your most important questions about the birds in your backyard, from food to birdhouses, from those cute hummingbirds to those troublemaking birds. Go to birdwatchingdaily.com to get your backyard Q&A booklet. More than 100 million wild animals are killed each year illegally. Poaching is a major threat to our country's wildlife. I'm Tom Barry. I'm an actor with a desire to preserve living space for wildlife. The Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust does just that works with private landowners to protect wildlife to preserve natural habitats. To learn more or to work with the Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust, call 800-729-SAVE. That's 800-729-SAVE. Or visit wildlifelandtrust.org. Thank you. Down to beautiful Cape Cod where the sun is shining and the humidity has uh, lowered quite a bit. Mike O'Connor there at the Birdwatchers General Store. Orleans, Cape Cod. Good morning, Mike. Ah, good morning to you, Ray. I know that people come into your store, uh, Mike, usually with complaints, but uh, sometimes with questions. <laughs> <laughs> it's always, no, you're right, it's always complaints. Um, questions about things that they see in their backyard, and they kind of say, hmm. And uh, one of them is, of course, birds that we see with uh, white patches, or sometimes all white, albino birds, but there's other other things that happen with birds that get confused with uh, albinism, right? Right. Well, a few weeks ago, I, thought, I think we talked about on this show, we talked about the baby birds that are going on now, and then mm. birds are going through kind of a molt from their, you know, nestlings into their juvenile plumage, and you get a lot of weird birds out there. But there's also adult birds that you can see year-round, and you can get... Uh, they can become white, you know. You get a, a white head or a white wing patch. We've had crows with white tails, um, blue jays with totally white heads, chickadees. We had a chickadee with a white back, and and people want to call those birds albinos hmm. because they've they've got a lot of white. But they're not really albinos. This is more what they call leucistic, which is hmm. um, kind of a loose term. They'll say partially albino, but that's not a correct term either because. Um, uh, an albino is a, a creature that's totally white, and they have that characteristic white, uh, white, all white with a uh, red eye. Mm. And the red eye is actually lack of pigment in the eye, and it's kind of creepy, but you can actually see the blood in, in the eye. That's what produces that red, 
or pink. So the, the birds that are kind of, you'll, you'll see, and you get this a lot, well, occasionally, but we get a lot of reports, um, like a white wing or white tail, as they call leucistic, which means the melanin um, that produces the coloration is lacking in parts of these birds. And it's kind of, gen- they call it genetic defect. Yeah, isn't this a really interesting topic? But the, the, the point is that, that um, albinos in nature are rare because they usually die out fairly quickly. That They don't have good eyesight, and they get picked off by predators. But these leucistic birds, which might have a, a, a white head, and usually the best way to tell a leucistic bird is, is from its overall behavior. If you see uh, a bird that's half white picking on your lawn, picking out worms and acting like a robin, it's more likely to be just a robin. It's always good to get a picture of it. You can share it with people, you know, show some experts, and they can explain it a little bit better to you. But these these things are, uh, are common in, in the bird world, but at least research is scratching their heads because they try to find out more and more about it. There's actually um, birds that get too much, uh, they call melanism, too much dark pigment. Hmm. I was just looking at a bird online, and it's a chickadee with a totally black head looked more like a junco hmm. and you know and i think i would have thought it was a junco except it didn't you know have that junco shape so you more or less try to look at the shape of the bird mm-hmm. at the same time well speaking of scratching head and, and also about the shape you have this phenomenon with cardinals i think especially in blue jays where they'll lose all the feathers on their head they look really weird yeah yeah we get this we get this phenomenon anybody's got a little time on the hand punch up bald cardinal in, on light, and you'll see hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pictures of these. They almost look like parrots. Their head is totally bald, or, or, or mostly bald. The head is black, because that's what the skin looks like underneath mm. the feathers. And it happens a lot this time of year uh, where i do not really clear why it's just cardinals and blue jays, but it, it, we get a lot of reports, and it's very common. This It is part of their molting cycle, and I think it might be accelerated by mites. A lot of these birds are coming out of the nest, and nests have a lot of mites in them, and uh, the birds can't preen the top of their heads, so the, the mites kind of affect the feathers, and now you get these weird, weird birds. You can see the ear holes. They, they're creepy as heck, and everybody who was in love with cardinals think they're the most handsome birds. See one of these bald guys. You change your mind about that. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So what we've been trying to do is uh, we sell these little Hats for the birds so they don't get sunburned. Cardinal hats, yeah. yeah like been a, it. It's a good secondary market for us. you got a connection with the St. Louis Cardinals working <laughs> with you on that? Have you a little promotion? Not, not one bit. <laughs> All right, I don't know if we have time. Quickly, we were talking off the air about um, the way to discourage house sparrows. One way is with this uh, feeder that we're giving away this morning, the bottoms-up finch feeder. But um, people have been using this method with um, fishing line for a long time, but you're, you're not a big on that because... You think birds can get tangled up in it, but there's another alternative, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing a little experiment with this, what they call Mylar scare tape, and maybe I can give you more about that in, in another week. We have more mm-hmm. time. But, yeah, the scare tape that keeps birds away from gardens, and we used to keep the woodpeckers away from the houses. I've been trying that because I'm, I'm worried about it. People put fish line on their feeders to keep the sparrows off, and it's been largely very effective, but I'm afraid birds will get tangled. So I've been trying the scare tape. Um, the last couple of weeks, and I've done a couple of experiments, and I'm maybe, and it's so far it's been good. Maybe I'll give you more details on that uh, when I finish the experiments. I got to get my lab coat on and do more. Right, we'll, we'll look forward to more results on that. Okay, talk to you next week, Ray. Thank you, Mike. Yep. Mike Bye-bye. O'Connor down there at the Bird Watchers General Store.
Orleans, Cape Cod. We're very short on time, but we would like to try to get to our mystery bird contest if we can to identify this mystery bird and give away this beautiful Droll Yankees Bottoms Up Finch Feeder. Not very hospitable for house sparrows, which have difficulty hanging by their feet, but great for other birds that like you'd love to see at your feeder. 781-837-4900 is the number to call for the Mystery Bird Contest. 781-837-4900. Our mystery bird is a resident of wooded swamps with a pointed bill and a pale yellow eye. Breeding males are shiny black Dull black with rust brown bars in the winter. Females have grayer plumage that's mostly rust brown in the winter. Our bird breeds in the northern forests of Canada and Alaska and winters in most of the eastern half of the U.S. What is our mystery bird? Tell us what it is at 781-837-4900, 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, we all know what a tough time shopping malls are having these days trying to compete with online sales. Well, a shopping center in England is uh, trying to do something about this. They are offering as part of the shopping experience bird watching in a 200-acre nature reserve associated with their shopping malls. Uh, we have to flip the cards and don't have time to continue our mystery bird contest. The answer was Rusty Blackbird. Thanks to Mark Duffield, Debbie Bleacher, and our engineer, Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. We'll see you next week. The Bird Show. I like that. I'd love to Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Or Lean's Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Birds and Beans Shade Grown Bird Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com.